Welcome to the State of Lakers on Dash Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, first part of the letter grade pod that I did on the Big Three. Today, I'm hating on all of the role players, which I'm really, really excited to do because I have really grown to like each and every one of these guys as basketball players and what they bring to the table. Um, This is going to post on Tuesday night at midnight, so you guys should be able to listen to it on the day of the game. And then I am out of town still for my grandfather's funeral. So Raj is going to be hosting our post-game show on Wednesday night. So I hope you guys all go check that out with him and continue to support the show. As always, I'm super thankful for you guys uh, rocking with us so far this season. It's been really excited to see this whole thing grow. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started. So again, for those of you who missed the last one, the these letter grades are all relative to what the expectations were for these players coming into the season. I don't think it's fair to grade, you know, Dwight Howard on the same scale that we grade LeBron James or Anthony Davis. That's just not the way that we should evaluate these guys. Um, but let's start with Malik Monk. So I gave Malik Monk an A minus. He is a veteran minimum guy. Uh, I actually think, if I'm not mistaken, he's on a smaller form of the minimum contract. Don't quote me on that, but I think I saw that when I was researching over the offseason. So again, when you, when you actually talk about what we're getting for the money out of Malik Monk, he is knocking it out of the park. We're getting spot creation. He can run second side action. He can run a pick and roll. He can beat guys off the dribble and spray out to shooters in transition. He's flashed a lot of high-level playmaking. He had that awesome lob Uh, I believe that he threw to DeAndre Jordan the other night against the Magic. He's shown spot creation. He's shown high-level closeout attacking. This is something that has always been a very important skill to me um, because I think in the postseason, these really, really elite high-end defenses, are they're just really, really good at chasing guys off the line and funneling you into a guy at the rim who can who can defend the rim. So if you can make floaters, if you can make one or two dribble pull-ups, if you can make creative finishes around the rim when there's already a shot blocker there, that brings a ton of value. And Malik Monk brings that to this team. Um, you know, it hasn't been all good. He's, he's turned into somewhat of a good play, bad play guy, which is typical for a young player. I do think we're trending in the right direction there, though. For example, what I'm talking about is like, I'll see him... Uh, you know, come flying in and make a huge defensive rebounding play to, 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 you know, close out a defensive possession. But then on the very next possession, he'll miss a box out, you know. And that that is a habit that you have to instill. And it's a habit that's been bad down the roster for the Lakers. So I want to cut Malik a little bit of slack there. The whole team is literally the worst box out team in the entire league. So I don't want to put that all on Malik Monk, but he's one of the guys who struggled with that. And so over the course of the season, it'll just be important for him to continue to establish those habits so that in the long run, in the playoffs, you can count on him to not make those kinds of mistakes. The irony is he hasn't shot the ball that great. I, can, I think over the course of the season, he'll continue to shoot better. Unlike uh, Mello and Wayne Ellington, who are both shooting over 50% on wide open threes, Malik Monk is shooting below 40% on wide open threes. So he's got another level that he can get to as a shooter that I think is in there that I just don't think he's tapped into yet. Could it could be a bunch of different things. Could be more defensive responsibilities than usual. Uh, it could be just him finding his role on the team and trying to determine where his shots will come from. But I think he'll eventually shoot better. But when he establishes those good defensive habits, when he establishes those good rebounding habits in conjunction with what he's already doing well, which is creating in second side actions and his high level closeout attacking, I think we're going to see a player who's going to be a solid role player for this team down the line. So A minus for Malik Monk. DeAndre Jordan. 
the one that I'm in most trouble with with people on Twitter. So I give DeAndre Jordan a B. Um, that's going to sound insane, but I'm not evaluating him based on uh, you know his contract or even the way Frank was using him to start the season, which I thought was outrageous. I always thought of DeAndre Jordan as a guy that would play strictly when either Dwight or Anthony Davis had to sit for whatever reason so that the Lakers could have scheme consistency in those games. And you saw that literally for the first time in this last little stretch of games here. He was awesome uh, by his standards. He was awesome against the Magic the other night, just as a guy who came in for a few minutes as a break glass in case of emergency, end of the bench big. He had a couple of uh, big block shots. He had that awesome dunk in transition off the Malik Monk pass. He was just a lot more active. And the main reason why, in my opinion, is he's finally in the right role. Again, I gave him a B because I'm evaluating him relative to an end-of-the-bench veteran minimum center. And in that role, in recent days, he's actually been what you expect or would hope for from an end-of-the-bench veteran minimum center. So a B for DeAndre. Moving on to Dwight, I also gave him a B. Now, Dwight's been clearly better than DeAndre this season, but I also expected more out of Dwight than DeAndre this season. I actually think Dwight is a rotation-level center. He is actually, in my opinion, one of the better backup centers that you can get in this league. And really, in this last two, three weeks, he's finally starting to play the consistent role that he should have been playing all season, that he was kind of in and out of the lineup as Frank was trying to determine you know, the, the, the Frank, uh, you know, he's Frank has been a lot better lately, so I want to cut him some slack, but it was completely ridiculous for him at one point to go to a one traditional center rotation and for DeAndre to be the guy he went to there. Dwight definitely caught the short end of the stick in some of those areas, but he's finally getting his opportunity and he's doing a good job. You know, I don't even really need to dive into the Dwight thing. He does exactly what you expect him to do. He screens and he rolls hard to the rim. On defense, he's active. He does the, uh, he's, I think, our best drop coverage big in terms, you know, uh, Anthony Davis and in his ceiling should theoretically be that, but AD's been kind of uh, lackadaisical in that role this season. Dwight, is our best drop coverage big at bothering the ball handler and dissuading the lob. I think that that's a great weapon to have in Frank's system. He is really the perfect big to have in Frank's system. Still same Dwight stuff, like loss is cool a couple times. He's had some technicals. He commits stupid fouls. He has a tendency to wrap guys up. He's always a flagrant foul waiting to happen. So that's all part of the Dwight experience. But relative to what my expectations were for him this season, he's done fine. Reeves, I gave an A+. So anytime you're an undrafted free agent and you're a rookie and you come into the league and you're playing minutes for a team that has legitimate championship aspirations, I think that automatically gives you an A+. That means that relative to what you were expected to do this season, which was be a two-way player, maybe, maybe not even be a two-way player, maybe just end up on the G League roster, for him to be in the situation that he's in is a huge win for the team. Now... What was really interesting is they signed him to a real NBA contract immediately after LeBron's minicamp, which tells you that LeBron picked up on Austin Reeves and what he could do right away. And I think LeBron has always had a a soft spot in his basketball heart for guys that have basketball IQ, and that's Austin Reeves' biggest strength. He understands how to win basketball games within a team concept. He's a great connective tissue player. 
He is the kind of guy that has way more value playing alongside top-tier talent than he does playing for a bad team. And so he's been a perfect fit. He, I've talked a lot about how he errs on the side of making the extra pass and how that's contagious and how that really, really helps the culture of making the extra pass for the rest of the team. He's very, very good attacking closeouts methodically and slowly making reads and making plays for his teammates. And then defensively, he's the only Laker this season that has consistently shown a willingness to put his body on the line to make plays. You can't possibly be any happier with the player given where they found him. A-plus for Austin Reeves. Can't wait to see what he turns into as a Laker. Moving on to THT. So I give THT a B. Um, The only reason I have him that low was because of his offensive struggles lately, which have been borderline problematic and really, really hurt their spacing. However, the reason why the grade is still so high is, again, we're talking about a 21-year-old here. You can't expect a 21-year-old to be consistent. You can't expect a 21-year-old to not go through offensive slumps. This is all kind of part of the deal. The reality is, is he's defending at a much higher level now than he was over the course of the last two seasons. You're seeing way fewer off-ball mistakes, and you're starting to see some of that on-ball disruption, that Kawhi-esque on-ball disruption that makes me so excited about his ceiling. You know, if you guys remember last year when Raj and I were talking, I was one of the guys who was pretty down on THT. I I thought that he needed to be traded. I I, I thought that he was way, way, way away from being able to contribute to this team. And he's proven me wrong. He's so far ahead of where he needs to be offensively, or excuse me, defensively, that he's already contributing. And you're seeing him start to trend in the right direction offensively. And the main thing is, the main reason why he's starting to have some offensive successes here in the last week is we're getting out of using him as an on-ball creator and starting to use him as a guy who's attacking with an advantage. We did a ton of this against the Magic uh, the other day where we would have him start in the weak side corner and curl off of a pin down and now the defender's on his hip and he's just too strong and too long and athletic to not finish when he has that advantage, when there's not a big guy in the lane clogging things up. He's had a lot of success with that. He's had a lot of success attacking closeouts. You know, you know, have, he's made enough threes, or he's, at least he convinces people that he's dangerous enough as a three-point shooter that they will close out on him. And he's ripping through, getting into soft spots in the defense, and he's either you know going to one of his finishing moves around the rim, or he's making plays for his teammates. He had a lot of plays against Orlando, where he was reading the defense on the backside, finding out where that low man was coming over to help and picking them apart on the backside, hitting guys for threes. That's way ahead of what you would expect to see from a 21-year-old. You know, I want to say it was Jordan Schultz, uh, who I think is with Bleacher Report, I'm not 100% sure, who reported today that seven teams have inquired with the Lakers about trading for THT. That doesn't surprise me at all. Everyone thought I was crazy. I absolutely think that THT is a bona fide trade asset and that teams should want to have him on their team. He doesn't fit great with the Lakers timeline, but I think he's going to be either an all-star or something very close to that because he trends, he projects to be a guy who will make all defense teams and will have a season where he averages 20 points a game or, or maybe more. So to me, inherently, that's that's Drew Holiday. And Drew Holiday is an all-star, in my opinion. So I think you have to... Uh, place a certain amount of value on that with THT. Now, again, a lot of it has to do with how the Lakers look around the trade deadline. If the Lakers look really good and THT is a big contributor to that, then you can't trade him because he's helping you now and he projects to be 
you know, an all-star level player in the future. But if he is still showing the young guy inconsistency and Trevor Rees is playing now, so he's getting fewer minutes and it's not really coming together, that's where you need to capitalize on the fact that his value is higher elsewhere in the league than it is here with the Lakers. Moving on to Avery Bradley, I give him a B plus. Again, anytime you're a non-guaranteed contract, veteran minimum claimed off of waivers and you're being relied on as much as he is, I would call that a win in terms of, of his performance. His huge workload, he's basically Frank's go-to uh, perimeter, uh, uh, the, the team's top perimeter initiator. He's the guy who's ball pressuring him up, up and down the floor. He's been guarding bigger forwards. He's been guarding small, quick guards. He's been, he's been doing everything. Now, he frustrates me in a lot of ways because he can be overly aggressive at the point of attack and give up a lot of straight line drives. His offensive shot selection still is mind-boggling to me because he just just is so trigger-happy with that mid-range pull-up jump shot, and it's never been a high-percentage shot for him, and it's never been a good shot in any offense ever, especially early in the clock, and he keeps going to it. I'd like to see him cut that out eventually, but uh, he's shooting 41% from three. That's one of the top guys on the team. So I can't get too upset with him offensively. He is turned into a quality rotation piece for this team, and they basically got him for the NBA's version of free. So you can't complain too much. I think he fits well in the long run of this team too. It'll be interesting to see if they cut him because of his contract guarantee date to try to save money on the luxury tax. I hope they don't. I think he's important for guard depth. I think he's a guy that is a good fifth starter, a good fifth guy in a lineup who knocks down enough shots and does enough of the dirty work that I, he's another one of those like uh, connective tissue guys that I was talking about. So I hope they don't cut him. Um, but I, And he fits into the long run, long run plan, in my opinion. But it'll be interesting to see what the Laker front office decides to do with him. All right, Carmelo Anthony. I gave Carmelo an A. He brings what I call aggressive spot-up shooting. What makes aggressive spot-up shooting so important is in a playoff setting – There's not really as many wide open shots as you would think. And I'm talking like wide open feet set, take a second to think about it type of threes. Usually these really, really high level defenses, the only thing they're willing to concede is a contested, a lightly contested three off of several rotations. So when you have short guys, guys like Avery Bradley, who are, uh, you know, not going to be able to get his three point shot off unless he's wide open or your Austin Reeves, who's not really very aggressive as a spot up shooter or Wayne Ellington, who's a little bit shorter. Those guys are going to have a harder time in a playoff setting getting high quality three point shots off. But Mello at six foot eight as a as a flat out gunner who has a, does a really good job of using weird body language cues to tempt guys after a closeout to still give him a little bit of space, and he'll just rise up. And then he has a lightning quick release. So that type of aggressive spot-up shooting is so valuable, especially in a playoff setting, because a mellow three that's mildly contested kind of has the same effect as a wide-open three. And so that gives you a great deal of, uh, of value in a playoff setting. He's another one of the guys, two of them this season, him and Wayne Ellington, who were, or him, Wayne Ellington, and LeBron, who are over 50% on wide open threes this year, which is incredible. He's, you know, moving to the defensive end of the ball with Melo. He, his, his season has kind of looked like a bell curve. He was terrible to start the season. Then he went on this run there in the middle where he was defending at a high level, you know, compared to what you expect from Melo. And then in recent weeks, he's kind of started to trend back down. Um, I'm hopeful that similar to a guy like Malik Monk and what I'm hoping for with Wayne Ellington, 
that over the course of the season, especially as this team really gets rolling, that he will feel a sense of accountability, build good habits, and become just a passable defender. They just need him to be a passable defender. And in the long run, and this the same thing goes for Wayne Ellington, I think the Lakers are going to play a lot of wings at some point with Trevor Ariza coming back and if they decide to make a trade or a buyout move for a wing. And I think you're going to see, especially in the AD at the five lineups, a lot more wings out there. That will make it so that having just a passable defender in that fifth spot or in that fourth spot is is enough for the defense to function. And I just need Melo to get to that point. Last but not least, I have Wayne Ellington, who I gave a B plus. The only reason I put him a little bit below Melo is he was a little bit slow to get started this year and dealt with some injury stuff. So obviously that's unfortunate when you sign a guy to a contract hoping for him to start, which was the original plan, if you guys remember this offseason, as was reported by The Athletic. And for, or it might have been Chris Haynes, I'm not sure. But either way, Wayne Ellington was expected to start, and then he was hurt. And then when he came in, he was a cold shooter for a while. Now he's really humming. That's the only reason I have him as a B plus instead of an A like Melo. But he brings a, that movement shooting element, which is so incredibly valuable to this team when you have guys like Anthony Davis, like LeBron, and like Austin Reeves and THT who are setting off ball screens. When you have a guy who can come off of those actions and is a real threat it warps the defense in a way that is hard to associate with the value. You know, I was actually talking with Raj about this on a pod the other day, and he's like, oh, you know, Ellington's only taken four, five, six shots a game. I'd like to see him take more shots. You know, the thing with Wayne Ellington is teams around the league scout for him as a deadly shooter. So it's not really necessarily about his shot attempts. To me, it's about his minutes. I want to see him get more minutes because while he's on the floor – you know, if he goes a five-minute stretch without shooting, that just means guys were sitting in his lap the whole time. Guys were glued to him. That directly will relate to spacing and opportunities for the Lakers stars to get into the paint. That's a huge uh, value add there. And then one of the things, I think Ellington's actually been pretty okay defensively, even better than Melo. He, because he is a shooter, he knows how to guard shooters. He's really, really good at getting low and in a lock and trail position and not getting hit by screens and staying attached to shooters. He has shown that he's another one of those guys that I think, especially in the long run, when the team has better habits and when they start playing some more wings, when wings get healthy and when they inevitably add one in the trade deadline or or in the buyout market, I think he's going to be a serviceable fifth defender. So I have him as, as a B plus. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I uh, Raj, like I said, will be covering the postgame show uh, tonight against uh, on the road in Dallas. Hope you guys will tune in for that one right after the final buzzer. And then I will be back for a pod on Thursday. Thank you guys, as always, for supporting the show, and I'll see you in a couple days.